0: This one Sunday morning, and one said to the other, he said, listening to preaching is the hardest thing in the world for me. He says, but I understand it's just the price you have to pay for being a Christian. Do you think he was serious about that? Maybe so. Possibly so. I suppose some people think that is really a chore to listen to preaching. Because sometimes preaching is hard to listen to. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me recently, I'd heard this joke before, but he said it actually happened to him that the 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 song right before he was to get up and preach his sermon was the old song, Ready to Suffer. And then he had to get up uh, to preach a lesson. Well, sometimes listening to preaching is hard, and I, I think folks can surely sympathize with, with those who would say so. Uh, a lot of that, I'm convinced, is... Uh, the preacher's part, and preachers should be ready to accept their part of the blame. Preachers who are not adequately prepared, preachers who have no enthusiasm for their work, preachers who are not dedicated to the important job of preaching the, the unsearchable riches of the Word of God, those preachers can kill any sermon and, and discourage people in the pew who are assigned to listen to sermons. Preachers need to take their work very seriously. Paul instructed Timothy, and Timothy, of course, was an evangelist. But remember the words that he said to to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He encouraged Timothy this way. 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And so Paul's words to Timothy there would still be applicable, in principle at least, to preachers today who need to very seriously view their work of preaching the gospel of Christ. Now, having said that, and as a preacher, accepting the responsibility that preachers have to do their very best work do their very best job of proclaiming the message. What I really want to talk about this morning is the important job that listeners have to do, that you have to do. As preachers preach, how should we listen to a sermon? Now, we've done a lot of that this past week. We've just had a great gospel meeting week. We've had really good preaching, I think. Uh, and I think we are all encouraged by the the week that we had here in our gospel meeting at College U. So you've been listening to sermons all week long from a variety of different speakers. Uh, But understand that whenever the gospel is preached, you have an important part in that process. And I think the Word of God addresses how we should listen to a sermon. We want to spend just a few minutes this morning thinking along those lines. Before we do, we stop to thank everyone for being here. We're very grateful that you've come Glad that we can join together. We've been meeting every day this past week, with the exception of Saturday night, uh, and so we've had a lot of chance to be together, worshiping God and studying from His Word, and that's a good thing, and we should be very grateful for it. But this is a good thing on another Lord's Day to be able to come together, to sing, pray, and study. Looking forward to it in a few minutes, partaking of the Lord's Supper in memory of the Lord's death. It's a real privilege. You know, there are a lot of places in the world who, where you couldn't do the things that we have been privileged to do this last week. Um, uh, we kind of we take it for granted, and although I don't think that we should, we take for granted that we have these opportunities, they'll always be there and so forth. Not necessarily so, it's not that way everywhere. And so we should not take for granted our privilege of being able to say We're glad you're here, we're glad for our visitors, thank you for coming. We hope you'll come back every time you have a chance to be here. Before I get into the sermon, I wonder how many of you noticed the new additions to the pulpit up here. Uh, Gordon uh, has been at his handiwork again and has, has sort of expanded the, the range of the uh, pulpit area up here to accommodate computers and more books and papers and all of that. And we certainly thank Gordon for If you look at that, you would not think that that's an add-on. It looks like it was just made that way, and that's the kind of work Gordon does, and we appreciate him for doing that. All right, how are we going to listen to a sermon? I think a lot of sermons are rendered ineffective because listeners are not really doing their job the way that they should. Um, If you wanted to put it in very simplest terms, some people just don't know how to listen. If you wanted proof of that, look with me in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, at verse 13... Jesus said, therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Jesus said some of the people who heard him couldn't see it. They they didn't hear it. They didn't understand. Well, whose fault's that? Is it the speaker's fault in this instance? Obviously not, right? Jesus was the master teacher. His teaching was perfect in all respects. And so, the problem of some who couldn't see it, couldn't hear it, couldn't understand it, that was their problem, right? Not his. And so, that would I would offer that as proof of the fact that the preacher can do his very best work and you can walk away unbenefited by the process if you don't do your job well. Jesus warned numerous times that we need to be careful how we listen. Look in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, verse 18, came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were there with him. He had, let's see. Wait a minute. I don't think I've got the right... I'm, I'm in the wrong chapter. Luke 8, Luke 8, verse 18. Uh, take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Notice, take heed how ye hear. For whoever hath, him shall be given. Whoever hath not, from him shall it be taken away, even that which he hath. Notice, Jesus said, take heed how you hear. Earlier in that same chapter... Luke 8, at verse 8, right at the end of that verse, he said, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. If I counted right, eight more times in the Gospels, Jesus emphasized, be careful how you hear. Take heed how you hear. And so it is important that we understand the listener's role when it comes to this preaching of the Gospel. And that's what we want to talk about. As a text for consideration, I want you to go with me to the passage that Arthur read for us just a few moments ago in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, there's an important text along this line. Notice, James says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. As listeners... There's some things we need to do. First of all, I would suggest to you that the text says we need to make some preparation for hearing the Word when it is preached. That expression, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, would give me the idea that I need to do some things. If I'm going to listen to a sermon, I need to do some things to make my heart right and ready to receive it. A newer translation, a newer English translation says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Again, that would suggest to me the idea of the need for preparation. Some of that preparation that we need to make, I would put into the realm of physical preparation to come and hear the gospel. Did you stay up late last night watching the late, late show or? Maybe some of you guys, did just stay up late watching some of those ball games that were being played yesterday? You know, they play on Saturday night, they play way into the middle of the night before all the games are over. And it's possible that if you stayed up late last night for whatever reason, that this morning you found out that you were really tired, just really tired. It was hard to get up, it was hard to get going. Maybe, you know, the alarm clock went off and you hit snooze three or four times and Finally, at the very last instance, you knew you just had to get it. You got up and then you rushed and you ran around and, and you had to yell at your wife and fuss at the kids and and uh, you, you were straining the speed limit to get here just in the nick of time. And I want to tell you, when you arrive under such circumstances, you're just a, a bundle of frayed nerves and you're physically exhausted already, you didn't get enough sleep last night and then all of the stress of trying to get here and get the kids and, uh, ready and, and all of that, you're just worn out before you even begin. And I would tell you that to be good listeners, we need to do better than that. We need to prepare. We need to physically prepare. We need to get adequate rest. And we need to get up in such time that we don't have to do a, a hectic uh, dressing, getting the kids dressed, to get here on time and so forth. I would just encourage us all to do better about that. You know, uh, it's been commented on a couple times recently that it seems like we're getting later and later, even in the time that we arrive for services, uh, and 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 that does not lend itself to us to being in the proper frame of mind when it, when we get ready to have Bible class or worship. So, just make an effort to to be here, be ready to receive the instruction, physically ready to receive the instruction. If you have your leave home, get here schedule set, I have to leave at a quarter after, and when I do, I get here maybe a minute before start time. Well, you know what you could do? You could back that up ten minutes, you know. Instead of leaving at a quarter after, you could leave at five after, and then you'd get here ten minutes early rather than maybe maybe one minute early. We can all do that. We can do that. And, and And I'm not just saying that as a a judgment matter. I'm saying that there is a practical side to that in that it makes us more ready to to receive instruction. There's some physical preparation that needs to be made. But by far and away the most important thing that we need to do is to prepare ourselves spiritually. Um, why have you come here this morning? What is the reason for being here? Hopefully our reason for being here is because we understand the importance of studying the Word of God we want to learn what He wants us to do. And, of course, we want to worship and glorify Him by the time that we're together. That being the case, if those are my, if those are my purposes for being here, if I've understood that, if I've prepared my mind that I'm going there to receive instruction in the Word of God, then, then bring your Bible. Uh, open it up. Take notes. Rid yourself of distracting thoughts. Concentrate on what is being discussed. You know, if, if in a school classroom a teacher found a student who didn't bring his book to class, who, if he had a book, never opened it, if, if the teacher found out that he was looking out the window and daydreaming or doodling on his, uh, on his notepad instead of listening to what was being taught in class, very likely the teacher would send that child out for, uh, failure to participate in what's, in the learning process that's taking place there at school. We need to be careful that we're not in that same category. We're not really here. We haven't, we haven't prepared ourselves to receive the instruction from the Word of God that we should. We need to work at spiritually preparing our minds for that. In Acts chapter 10, real quickly, look over at Acts chapter 10 with me. We have the case of Cornelius there. I know you know the story of Cornelius very well. When Peter came to Cornelius' house, Peter asked Cornelius, basically, why have you sent for me? Well, Cornelius tells the story of how he was instructed by an angel to send for Peter. But notice what he said right there at the end of Acts chapter 10, verse 33. He said, now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. He had the right attitude, didn't he? And that's what we're suggesting by way of preparation. Prepare yourself physically, physically, and spiritually, for this important activity that we're engaging in. So, here in our text from James chapter 1, I I would suggest in in a broad general sort of application of the principle, get your heart ready to receive the instruction, then listen with a dedicated heart. Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. All the preparation in the world will not help if, if we're not ready to receive and put into application the things that we learn. Uh, every once in a while, you hear someone say, well, I just, I just didn't get anything out of that sermon. Well, as we said earlier, it may be that that's the preacher's fault. I uh, I heard of a story where a, a fella asked his friend who'd been to church, he said, what did the preacher preach about? And his friend said, I don't know. He didn't say. Well, that's a problem, Right. Uh, if the preacher's sermon is such that you can't even figure out what he, was, what, what he was trying to say or what the point was, that's a problem with the preacher. But I think it's often a problem with the listener. If you don't get anything out of the sermon, it may be an indication that you are not listening with a dedicated heart trying to perceive things that you'd be able to put into application in your life. you got to be dedicated. That's what we're saying. You've got to really be dedicated to the value and the importance of what we're doing here. I mentioned a minute ago about the football games, uh, and I know some of you, as I have, have gone to the football games in Knoxville, and, and I'm gonna tell you, it's quite a chore to go to a UT football game at Knoxville. Because you've gotta, you gotta park, and I'm not kidding here, and you guys know it who've been there, you've gotta park maybe two or three miles away from the stadium. And you've gotta walk all that way through a, just a pack of people. It's a, it's a crush of people. You gotta walk. Then you gotta sit. You know, and as they keep wanting to make the seating capacity of Neyland Stadium bigger and bigger, they don't add on Neal and Stadium. They just narrow the seats. You know. You know, well, we need to get another thousand people in here. What are we gonna do? Well, we'll shorten the seats up. We'll make, we, we, in, instead of giving you 12 inches to sit on, now this year you can get 11 and a half inches to sit on, you know. And so you're in there. I mean, you're just literally in there like this. And then it starts to rain. What does everybody do when it starts to rain? They just sit right there. They sit right there in the rain to watch the football. Why on the why in the world would you go to all that trouble parking so far away, walking so far, sitting in those cramped conditions, and then it starts to rain on you and you stay there. Why do you do that? Now you're dedicated, right? You're a dedicated volunteers fan. And so you will do it. Because you're dedicated to what's happening there. Okay. Now what about us? Are we dedicated to what we're doing here? That's the thing. That's, that's the question we're trying to ask. You've got to be dedicated to the importance of this process of teaching and learning the Word of God. Uh, some people, and you know people like this maybe, who, who have learned, who have, have been taught, and maybe have heard who knows how many hundreds of, of lessons and sermons. And maybe sometimes you've known someone who can even recite long sections of Scripture, but they've never taken it to heart. They haven't listened in a dedicated fashion with the idea of putting into practice the things that they have learned. Look over in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 25, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind and with all thy might with all thy strength with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself and he said to him thou hast answered right this do and thou shalt live but he willing to justify himself said to Jesus and who is my neighbor now you know that the story of the good samaritan goes on thereafter but think about that lawyer what was his situation well he'd heard this all before right in fact, he heard it so well that when Jesus said, well, how do you read it? He could quote the scriptures to him, right? He could quote the answer to him. Jesus said, well, you're right. That's the right answer. But notice, instead of saying, okay, that's what I'll do, he said, well, let me see if I can justify myself here. I got this quibble about who is my neighbor, actually. I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but really, who is my neighbor? Let's 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 quibble about that for a little while before we... He wasn't ready to, to put into practice what he knew to do. Jesus didn't teach him something he didn't know. He already knew that, but he wasn't willing to practice it. Uh, so that's the idea of listening with dedication. Receive the with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. We need to be like the famous Bereans in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, who was a preacher there in Acts chapter 17. Apostle Paul, right? The Apostle Paul was the preacher. What they do when Paul preached to them? In Acts chapter seventeen, verse eleven, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Notice the readiness of mind. They were ready. Now they they weren't gullible. They didn't just say, "Well, because he said so, we're going to do it." They want to make sure it was right. They checked it out. But they had a readiness of mind to apply the things that they were being taught. And that's the way we need to be when we listen to a sermon. So listen, prepare yourself both physically and spiritually, and then listen with a dedicated heart, ready to apply the things that are learned. And finally, let's talk about that application of it. The very famous part of this verse, probably the part that we remember best, is this last phrase, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Now, this picture in mind because i'm going to go to the next set of verses and we're going to leave this chart but i want you to remember our three simple points for you to walk away with this morning when you listen to a sermon listen with preparation dedication application now to really illustrate this importance of applying what we learn look at the very next verses all right so go to the next verses beginning in verse 23 for if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in the glass for he beholdeth himself, and goeth this way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. As Arthur pointed out to us earlier, there's our memory verse, verse 25. James is basically saying here, there's very little advantage to hearing the Word of God if you're not willing to put it into practice in your life. He said it would be the equivalent of someone Looking into a glass, he beholds his natural face in a glass. What's he talking about there? Well, he's talking about a mirror, right? They, they didn't have good mirrors like we have today, but they had things that would reflect their image. And that's what he's talking about here when he says viewing his natural face in a glass. He looks, but straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. The picture that he's painting for us here is... is is. Something that here, 2,000 years later, we're still doing. Did, my guess is if we took a, a survey of, of hands this morning, how many of you looked into a mirror this morning when you were getting ready to come to church services? Well, we all did, right? You had to look in the mirror, you know. You had to see what you. you look in the mirror and you saw some things that needed changed. Maybe, you know, you needed, you fellas, you needed to shave your face. You ladies, fix your makeup. Comb your hair for, for crying out loud, comb your hair, right? You got to comb your hair. You've been in the bed all night and your hair is just a mess. Comb your hair. I saw that. I looked in the mirror and I saw that I needed to fix those things. But then I just turned and walked away. I didn't do anything about what I saw in the mirror. Well, that's senseless, right? That 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 just that just doesn't make any sense at all to look in the mirror, see what you need to do to improve your appearance best you can. You know, some of us can't make a whole lot of improvement, but we can make a little maybe, comb the hair. I looked in there and I saw that I didn't do anything about it. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, that's what he's saying about the Word of God. If I look in the mirror of God's Word and see myself there, and I see my flaws, I see what's wrong, but I just turn and walk away and I don't do anything to change those things that are wrong with me, what's the value of that? In fact, what's the sense of that? If you're not going to do what you learn, what's the sense of that? And so that's what we need to do. When we listen to a sermon, we need to listen with preparation, with a dedicated heart, ready to apply the things that we learn in our daily living. James here, I believe, is giving us inspired advice on listening, how to listen when we're taught the Word of God. And I really believe that if we follow those divine guidelines, it will improve all the preaching that we hear, no matter who the preacher is. We, we heard a lot of good preaching this week from a lot of different preachers, and it was all good and valuable things to learn. But I tell you what, the preaching is better. No matter who the preacher is, the preaching is better if we hear with the principles in mind that James has set forth in this important text. Um, what about you? How do you listen? Do you listen with that ear toward application? As we're about to sing a song of invitation, we're going to ask the question, have you applied the truth of God's Word in your life? First of all, are you a Christian? If you're not a Christian yet, you need to make that application. You're lost in sin. You're uh, not in a right relationship with God. You don't have the hope of heaven and eternity. If that's your case, then you need to remedy that. You do that by applying the truth of the Scripture. Jesus died on the cross, shed His blood there to serve as an atoning sacrifice for sin. And you have the advantage of that in your life if you will hear that truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away from serving your Lord faithfully, we hope you'll come back to him in repentance, confession and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.